Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to John chapter 6. I hope you are a big fan of science. I'm a big fan of science. Many of you know that, whether it's chemistry or physics or geology or biology, astronomy, kinesiology, human anatomy. I hope you're a big fan of science. But because of the miracles recorded in the Word of God, because of the supernatural recorded in Scripture, I'm a bigger fan of the creator, designer of science. During this COVID-19, we're glad that there are labs, scientists around the world working toward finding tests as well as uh, vaccines. But friends, I need you to understand it is because of miracles. We have the privilege today of discovering a handful of lessons from Uh, John chapter 6 of Jesus walking on the water. So I want to make sure you're there. Here's lesson number one. Find your notes. Write this down. The fear not miracle is a gift. 2,000 years ago, it's a gift today for your storms. Who can walk on water? Only the creator of science can walk on water. It is Jesus that can calm any storm and defy every weather predictor. Confuse all scientists, shock and humiliate any politician. It is the creator who can walk on water that mystifies and humbles every medical doctor. Friends, stop for a moment and understand the opposite of fear is courage. Courage to believe, courage to stand, courage to have hope. One person said fear makes us feel our humanity. Courage makes us feel our creator. So to walk on water, you must have the ability to suspend science. You must have the ability to be able to literally command or control science. It's not about science. That's what miracles are all about. It's not about science. A miracle is about the creator of science. And all of us are living our lives focused on what we can see. A miracle is designed to remove fear. It is designed to instill courage and to build your faith in the creator of science. Jesus says very clearly, in your storm, whatever that may be, fear not. Remember John 6.15, we looked at it last week. Note the circled parts of the verse, John 6, 15. So Jesus, perceiving, remember that word perceiving in Greek is gnosko, to know every detail, perceiving that the huge crowd that had formed from the feeding of the 5,000, and that would include his disciples. They were intending to come and take him by, watch this, storm, Yes, Jesus faced storms. Take him by force to make him political king, to make them their leader. And what did Jesus do in reaction to this storm? He withdrew. He withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Nobody forced Jesus to walk away. Jesus moved toward solitude. You see, You don't make Jesus political king. We live in a world where we're demanding God do this or demanding Jesus do this. We want Jesus to do this. You're not going to. 
whatever you want. See, before verse 15, the crowd is demanding something. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't. We have to back up and understand that it's nighttime and Jesus chooses literally to go into solitude, self-isolation. He didn't have to go there. Can I suggest to you, number two, the second lesson? If Jesus needed solitude, if Jesus wanted solitude, can I encourage you, get it? Not isolation. Isolation is where something is forced on you. Solitude is your opportunity to go and deeply engage the Creator. Jesus willingly moves from the crowd. He moves away from his disciples, and he goes up onto the hillside to pray. It's solitude. It's devotion. It's meditation. See, this practice of quiet reflection, all of us need it. It is oh so important for instilling faith. If you're lacking courage, you're going to have to understand, you're going to have to go vertical into solitude with God. This is critical to understand the rest of the story. So to prepare you for the storms you're facing or will face, you don't know anything about what's going to happen in the future. If your storm is at work or you're in a hospital bed right now, please listen to me. Make room for God. Jesus is not going to let anybody make him a political item. See, Jesus sent his disciples away so that he could go and have some alone time with God. That's solitude. Even Jesus with his busy schedule. I've got a busy schedule. You've got a busy one. But we've got to make time, quiet time, solitude time. Remember, pray this way. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. And I want to encourage you in your solitude, memorize Romans 10, 17. says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word, watch this, about Christ. The miracle worker that can walk on water. You see, storms are going to come, ready or not, and if Jesus needs solitude, you better find some solitude because you got to prepare for the storms. Let me give you another little quick lesson. Lesson number three. Friends, life cycles often this way. Storm. Storm is coming. No. Calm usually is first. Then second, the storm. And then faith. It's interesting. Calm first. Life's going good. And then there's a challenge, there's a trial, there's something that we're faced with, a storm. And then somehow or another, God begins to work and we find faith. And then there's calm, maybe. Maybe. But God may choose to do storm, storm, storm. So may I just encourage you, there was a miracle of feeding 5,000 people and the disciples, and they all missed the point. They don't get it. Jesus is not political. He's God. So Jesus goes into the solitude to do his Father's will. Now, verse 16. Watch the storm. Now, when evening came, his disciples, Matthew tells us that Jesus told them, go get in the boat. His disciples went down to the sea. I don't know all what happened. Maybe they got tired of waiting on Jesus as he's praying alone. Maybe Jesus said, hey, hey, go, go, just go. I'll, I'll catch up with you later. 
Look at verse 17. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. A little side note. Capernaum, this Sea of Galilee, there's a, it's an eight-mile-wide sea. You see Capernaum there? So on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, they started to cross the Sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark. One of the other stories, and Matthew says it's probably about 3 o'clock in the morning, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now verse 18. And the sea began to be stirred. Who do you think stirring the sea? The sea began to be stirred up because of a strong wind, strong wind blowing. It's amazing, isn't it? When you look at what's going on here, the wind is blowing, the sea is stirring. Can I just point out the three S's in the NAS? You have sea, stirred, and strong wind. And remember, who controls science? We got to back up every day. Whatever your storm is, God is there. Storms come up at the most inopportune times, day or night. 3 a.m. is a terrible time to be fighting off the waves. But no matter when they come, the storms, you've got to bravely face them wherever you are. Don't dodge them. So remember, calm first, storm, faith, and then calm, maybe. Maybe storm, 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 because God has more lessons for us to learn. Can I suggest to you number four? Lesson number four. Be prepared. Storms require a fight for survival. Let me just pause for a moment. The disciples are in a boat. In the Sea of Galilee, they're fighting the storm, right? Can I just go back this last week with you for a moment? There were storms here in Phoenix last Monday. Last Monday. A husband was forced to see his wife no longer alive last Monday in their living room. A husband found his wife not alive. Can you predict that? No. Last Tuesday, my childhood friend Ray died of a heart attack in the middle of the night. And they took him to the hospital and his wife had to wait in the parking lot of the hospital because of COVID-19. Storm Monday for someone, Storm Tuesday. But let's go back in history a little further, may we? Let's go back to Wednesday, April 15th, 1912. Do you know what was happening on that day? April 15th, 1912. That's 108 years ago, if I did my math right. It's the first trip of the Titanic. It hit this huge iceberg. There were 2,224 people on board that ship. 1,514 people died. More than half. And that ship was earmarked unsinkable. About 65 years ago, last Wednesday, April 15th, 
A man by the name of Jackie Robinson became the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball, and he faced many unjust challenges. How about just seven years ago? Seven years ago, this past Wednesday, 2013, the Boston Marathon was running last Wednesday, seven years ago, and it was attacked by bombers. You see, you and I think we can go through life and we can just somehow avoid the storms, the tragedies, the challenges, but storms require a fight to survive. And that fight means you're going to have to have God. You're going to have to build your faith. John 6, 19. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, and remember, they're out on the boat, three or four miles rowing against the wind. And they saw Jesus walking on the sea. And drawing near to the boat, they were frightened. Now, think about this. Matthew tells us they were frightened because they thought Jesus was a ghost. In other words, friends, they're fighting the storm, they're frightened, and they see a ghost, and they're probably more frightened, but they don't see that the ghost is Jesus. They think Jesus is on the mountain. They don't think Jesus is walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. There's no faith that that's Jesus. The guys in the boat have no faith that the ghost is Jesus. So let's just ask the question, is your faith ready for your storms? Jesus shows up in your life 24-7. Do you recognize him? In this story, Jesus walks to the men on the boat in the storm, and they wrongly think he's a ghost. Jesus' disciples saw him walk on the water and did not understand, according to all the stories. It goes to show us, friends, that even as believers, and remember, they just saw the miracle of 5,000 just a few days earlier or the day before. You see with your heart, don't you? Not just with your eyes. A lot of us are forgetting that God is at work on the inside, and it is a faith step. It's a reminder to all of us that these storms are there, but you're going to have to Remember, there's someone that walks on the water. And Jesus says in John 6, 20, but he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. In other words, be strong. Fear not, take courage. Friends, the creator of science, what is he doing right here? He is sharing his courage with us. This is a fear not miracle. It's I, it's Jesus. They didn't recognize it. Do not be afraid. Verse 21. So they were willing to receive him. Now they get it. They're willing to receive him into the boat. It's Jesus. They figure it out. And immediately what happens? Supernaturally, the boat is transferred, literally, to the land to which they were going. Kind of a supersonic deal. Jesus climbs into the boat. The storm ceases They receive him, pretty amazing, and the stormy waters of life calm down. Jesus, friends, really is the Son of God. You remember that story about doubting Thomas? The guy that played the piano over here today, his name is Phil. 
in Israel just a few weeks ago, he talked publicly about his faith. And at times it, it was up and down, times wavering. Friends, listen, that's called doubting Roger. That's doubting Phil. That's doubting Thomas. We are all like that. The guys in the boat saw the miracles and still doubted. John 20, verse 27, Then he, Jesus, said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting, Roger. Stop doubting, Phil. Believe. Jesus climbs into the boat. The storm dies down. But the disciples had just seen Jesus multiply with five loaves and two small fish, defy math, defy science, and literally feed 5,000 people. But in the middle of the night, in the midst of a storm, Jesus is walking on the water, and they don't see him as Jesus. Now, you can give them a break, okay. But at some point, you're going to have to understand, with Jesus, you can weather the storms of life. You really are the Son of God. Jesus is there, but friends, just in unexpected ways. He's right there in the midst of the storm. For Bob in the hospital right now, he's right there with Bob. With Kristen, uh, who has lung uh, pneumonia right now, he's right there with her. We've got to back up and understand that the creator of science defies science. The miracle of John 6 is also pretty interesting. The miracle of John 6, hit that next slide. I think I got one. There it is. It's recorded in Matthew and Mark as well. Pretty interesting when you compare all of them. What John and Mark leave out is the story of Peter walking on the water. And it's interesting, friends. It's a faith step. Peter, with his eyes on Jesus, he gets out of the boat. With his eyes on Jesus, he walks on water. But the second he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he begins to sink. We can only guess why Peter is... This particular story in John is not included. I don't know why it's not included here in John. I'm going to guess. Maybe the writer John wants everybody to understand we're all in the same boat. Everybody in the boat has the same challenges, not just Peter. That God wants us all by faith to believe, to focus. All of us should not be afraid. I don't know if you remember the forbidden zone a few months ago? Remember that forbidden zone called Samaria? Remember these words in John 4.42? They, the people from the town, Sychar, remember that? They said to the woman, remember the woman at the well? We no longer believe just because of what you said. Watch, this is graduated faith. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. All of us are developing and growing our faith in God. Fear not, Jesus walks on water. Can I suggest lesson number five? Why record the miracle of Jesus walking on water? Why was it recorded? Well, think about it. It's really easy to replace God with science. It's real easy to worry, not worship. It's easy for us to understand that when trouble comes, we don't need God. We can go it alone. 
We sometimes even doubt that Jesus is real. So the miracles recorded for maybe many different reasons. God knew that we would struggle with unbelief. And he gives us these reassuring words throughout Scripture for all kinds of circumstances to grow faith. Let faith arise. John chapter 6, verse 26, you might want to circle that in, in your Scripture. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, miracles. You didn't go after the, the message of the miracle but because you ate the loaves and were filled. See, a lot of us, we, we just got to have our bellies full. We just need all of our felt needs met. John 6, 29, just a couple verses later says this, this is the work of God, Roger, that you believe. Phil, that you believe. Thomas, that you believe in him whom he has sent. God wants to replace fear with faith. He wants to replace fear with courage. Not courage in yourself, but courage in God. A lot of us are going through life and you may not recognize the Lord when he comes to you. You might not recognize that Jesus is right there in that hospital room. You may not see it. You could be on a boat on the Sea of Galilee and you may not recognize that Jesus is right there on that boat. This is our group, just a few weeks in Israel. You may not recognize. He's right there. Peter did not begin to sink until he took his eyes off of Jesus. All of us are walking. One person said this, the lesson is that when we take our eyes off of Jesus and focus on difficult circumstances, we begin to sink under the weight of our problems. If we cry out to Jesus in faith, he will catch us by hand and raise us above seemingly impossible surroundings. I like to go back in history. Remember Isaiah 40, verse 31? But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isn't that beautiful? Or how about Hebrews 11.1? 1? Now faith is confidence, confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let me give you lesson number six. This miracle, do not be afraid, occurred on a real sea a real place in geography, literally, in the Sea of Galilee. So I want to have a little fun for just a moment. Many of you have been on Roosevelt Lake, right? I've been there. Roosevelt Lake is northeast of Phoenix. It's located in Gila County. Roosevelt Lake is about 80 miles, 80 miles from our church, northeast, right? Interesting. With my dad, I fished on that lake. That's me, the little guy in the white T-shirt and the Levi's, the little one. Five years old, I fished with my dad many times in my lifetime. Now think with me, Roosevelt Lake, for just a moment. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It's a beautiful lake. But now go with me to the Sea of Galilee, would you? 
I got another slide. Hit that next slide. Do I got the Sea of Galilee? There it is. Notice it's a pear shape. Some people call it like a violin. Did you know that the Sea of Galilee is northeast of Jerusalem? Northeast of Jerusalem? 60 miles north of Jerusalem. It's located in a region called Galilee. And did you know that Jesus did 18 recorded miracles on or near the Sea of Galilee? 18. The New Testament records 33 total miracles that Jesus did in his ministry. But friends, the bulk of them on or around the Sea of Galilee. You see there on that northern shore of the city called Capernaum, in the city of Capernaum, that northern shore. Do I have another slide on that one? There it is. Jesus performed 10 miracles right there. Now you're saying, Roger, why are you sharing this? I want you to understand the facts. The Sea of Galilee has many names in the Bible. How many of you can identify at least five names? Think with me. Well, obviously, it's called the Sea of Galilee. That's pretty easy to find. You can find that all over Scripture. You might write down Mark 7.31. It's also called Sea of Tiberias or Lake Tiberias, John 6.1. There's also the name the Lake Gennesar in Luke 5.1 and the Sea of Chinneroth, Numbers 34.11. And it's also called the Waters of Gennesaret in Luke 5.1. It may be interesting, those of you that like trivia, Ginneret in Hebrew is violin. This lake is shaped like an old-fashioned violin or a pear. It's a freshwater lake. Most of you probably know that. The Jordan River flows in from the north and it exits on the south and it runs all the way down to the Dead Sea, the Jordan River. Did you know that this Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long? eight miles wide, 144 feet deep. When the winds start to blow, it can just whip things up really quick. Now contrast that to Roosevelt Lake. 22 miles long, two miles wide, 340 feet deep. Did you know that the Sea of Galilee is four times wider, but half as long as Roosevelt? Let me offer you lesson number four. Jesus gives courage in the storm and after the storm. The walking on the water is not just a myth 2,000 years ago. It's not just a good story. When Jesus commands you, he's saying, come on, obey. I'm with you. Sometimes Jesus sends us literally into the storm. I don't, I don't know why he does it. But Jesus basically said, I don't have time right now. You guys go ahead of me. Look for Jesus and keep looking for Jesus. We live our lives as people and we get so distracted. Maybe that's the beauty of one beautiful consequence of COVID-19. We're not as distracted now. Keep looking. Don't be afraid. Courage builds as faith grows in Jesus. A little faith is better than no faith. I close with this interesting verse, Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. How's your faith? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Trust him. A little faith is better than no faith.
How about 1 Thessalonians 2.13? And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is. Listen, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you for what purpose? At work in you who believe. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bow your heads, please. God, I, I want to believe a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Teach me that the creator of science can suspend science. Teach me to believe that the stories in the Bible are not made up. They're not myths. That they are real stories in real time and real geography. And God, it is sometimes difficult to believe. But there's only one person that can walk on water. And that's Jesus. So God, for every person uh, listening, I'm not sure where you are. I heard a few moments ago that some in Egypt, some in obviously Michigan or Tennessee or Florida or Texas or to our family here in Phoenix or Tucson, believe. Do not be afraid. Jesus walks on water. God, we say thanks. I ask that you bless each person that believes the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Blessings on you.